Welcome to the Who's on the Move podcast. I am your host, Alan Cooper. Today, we are going to be speaking with Erica Plater, the Executive Director of Our Lady of Mercy Community Outreach. This is an organization that operates two campuses in the Charleston area, one on Johns Island and the other in the east side community of downtown Charleston. Their mission is to build equitable communities and empower individuals to reach their full potential by providing basic and emergency needs, as well as education, employment, and health services. This series on nonprofits is made possible with the support of the Sisters of Charity Foundation of South Carolina and NP Strategy. Erica, tell us about Our Lady of Mercy Community Outreach. What is your mission? We are a nonprofit organization that provides a host of services to those in the community who are underserved. And that means we work at two ends of the spectrum of poverty. One, for those who need us and will always need us, like our elderly, we really try to work in giving them basic needs, clothing, financial services, food. But at the other end of the spectrum, we have individuals who really are trying to get to self-sufficiency. So we help them with some of those same basic needs programs, but also health, education, and workforce development. Erica, give us a brief history of the organization. We actually were founded by the Sisters of Charity of Our Lady of Mercy, which is a group of nuns who thought they saw issues needed in the rural communities um, and solutions that were needed. And so they created the organization actually just two weeks before Hurricane Hugo hit the area. So talk about serendipitous activity. That's exactly what it was. So when the hurricane hit, they were able to go out to communities help neighbors who were flooded in, help neighbors who couldn't access food. And you're talking about the sea islands. So these are very rural communities, especially back then. So they didn't have transportation. They didn't have grocery stores on the islands and things like that. So they were there to help individuals repair their homes even. Um, And then from there, it evolved into what we are now, which is an organization that works in the four areas of what we think are social determinants of a successful life. And that is something we've been very proud of, that legacy. Um, because we really live by the virtues of feeding the hungry, clothing those without clothes, giving water to the thirsty, and some of those basic tenets of taking care of each other. Tell us about executing on your mission, Erica. How do you get the job done? There are four areas. The first one is our health umbrella. And under our health umbrella, we provide two types of services. One is dental, And the second one is OBGYN services. You'd actually be surprised how many individuals don't have access to affordable dental or OB services. And so we provide that free to the community. And for our dental side, we actually work in partnership with MUSC. And so a lot of the capacity we have to provide that services are the students who rotate through our clinic because they are dentists in training, whether they're students, whether they're residents, they come out and they actually do um, kind of hand, hands-on work in our clinic and are able to get hours for that. And then on our women's services side, which is the OBGYN services we provide to women who either don't have insurance or don't have the ability to pay for insurance or pay for these services, we have a great relationship with Roper St. Francis in that they really give us a nurse to help us through the process. And as the women go through their prenatal care with us, Roper is then there to help deliver those healthy babies into the world. Our second area is workforce development or our empower program. And there we actually help individuals create a resume, update a resume, look for jobs, apply for jobs. We do mock interviews with them. I have staff who are trained career coaches. 
Um, plus, we also do job fairs. So we have great relationships with employers in the area um, to be able to bring jobs to the, the, the community members that we're serving. And then our, our third area is education. So we have a youth component of that, which is our after-school program or the Yes, I Can program. It's been around for a while. And that serves students in grades two through five. And it really is, it's homework help. But even more than that, it's a math, we have a math and a reading curricula to really help dig into those two areas in particular for children in South Carolina, because we know that's an area that we need to work on. But the great thing too about that program, it has an overlay of social emotional learning. So we actually follow a curriculum on SEL as well to help our students learn how to process their emotions, learn some life skills. I mean, we do a host of other things. We do some STEM activities. We have field trips every once in a while. So it really is a comprehensive approach to after-school programming for children. And then for our adult education, we have both an ESL class, which is English as a Second Language, and we have a GED class for those who really want to complete high school to do other things. And so um, that makes up that education component. And then the fourth and the last component is that basic and emergency needs. And that is um, food, clothing, we provide financial assistance to those who need it for paying their mortgage or their rent and even their utilities. And we provide financial assistance towards home repairs as well. Um, in the rural communities of Johns Island and James Island and Wamala and even all the way down to Edisto, we're seeing that as a big need, especially in the elderly community, um, having to have help to repair their homes to make sure they're in livable conditions in some way. So those are the four areas, but I think what's really great about what we do and makes us unique as a nonprofit is the fact that we employ, um, in many cases, social workers or those with a social work background. So if you're coming in for financial assistance or you're coming in for our education programs, the first thing we do is kind of general intake to understand what else you need, what else is going on so that we could try to wrap all of our services around people as best we can. But the second piece of that are those, those kind of social workers or social uh, work, those with social work background who are actually talking to our clients one-on-one -on -one to actually figure out how we can help them set goals to get to a better place. So this is long-term change. So we'll take care of your emergency need today, but we really wanna talk about helping you set goals. We help you track those goals. We'll check in on those goals. We'll wrap services around you even beyond our organization to really help propel people forward and empower them to take control over getting to self-sufficiency and getting to their fullest potential, however and whenever possible. What are you most proud of in terms of accomplishments of the organization? There's so many things I'm proud of as an executive director at the outreach. Um, you know, the very first one that came to mind is the fact that when COVID hit, we kept our doors open. We never closed, we shifted, we figured out how to create a safe environment for our staff so that we could deliver the services that we knew were gonna be critical during that time, because this was actually, this is what we were built to do. And so we had to show up for our community and I'm very, very proud of how we did that. And we were able to help people. Now, as a result of that, we've definitely seen an increase in individuals needing food and especially individuals needing financial assistance. And at the time, both unemployment help when it first hit and now employment help. I think a lot of our numbers in those areas have skyrocketed. I can tell you before the pandemic, we gave out about a little over um, maybe $80,000 or so a year in financial assistance. And this past year, we were at about 200,000 
in financial assistance that we've been giving out. And that's been pretty consistent since the pandemic hit and we're expecting to give out about that much next year as well. And so not only is it keeping our doors open to help those who were gonna need us, but we've been able to help in a, in a bigger and better way. And part of that too, we've expanded our service areas. So we, we used to just serve James Johns and Wamala Islands. And then we also have a location downtown called Neighborhood House where we would serve the east side but the amount of need we saw during the pandemic and the number of phone calls and the number of people we had to turn away because they weren't in our service area um, really led us to take a look at how we could help differently. And so we've expanded our service area from downtown to West Ashley, James Johns, Wamala, all the way down through Edisto Island. And that's something I'm very proud of too. Um, as an organization. And I think, you know, just the general fact that we focus in the four areas that we focus in and the fact that we wrap our services around individuals and where we can't, we have really strong community relationships. I say the last inventory we took, there's about 200 or so uh, relationships we have throughout the Charleston community where we try to wrap the, their services around our clients where possible too. And that's something I'm very proud of. We are really community-centered, community-focused, and community-driven in everything that we do. Erica, talk to us about your journey to the organization, to Our Lady of Mercy Community Outreach. I say my journey to this organization is uh, both direct and not direct in many ways. Uh, first, I think I grew up in a, an environment raised by my grandmother who really pushed service. Um, not only did she help any and everyone who came through her door or in the community, but when I got of age, she made sure I was helping too. She volunteered me to do many things, um, taking neighbors to the doctors, bringing neighbors food, whatever it was, because she thought it was our responsibility individually to take care of the collective. And so I really lived by that in many ways. And I think that's why I chose the nonprofit sector as my career. I've been in this career as a nonprofit professional for about 25 years now. Um, and I've had the privilege of working in healthcare, public health. I've worked in um, education. I've worked in philanthropy, community development. And a lot of that is what brought me to Our Lady of Mercy Community Outreach. And in many ways, you could say that the career I've had actually made me very well-rounded in understanding all the various areas that intersect, especially for people who live in poverty. And so, my 25 years, I've been a student of poverty. I've studied poverty. I understand the impact on people. I know the psychological effects of poverty. And because I've worked in all those industries, I also see where some of the successes have been. And so I've been able to apply a lot of what I've learned and what I've seen to the work I do at Our Lady of Mercy Community Outreach. And I think, too, the fact that my career has both spanned not just the different sectors, but it has also spanned um, leadership development. I've done a lot of work in leadership development, diversity, equity, and inclusion, and even program, just general program development that I understand how nonprofits should work in a very intimate way. Um, and so I, I'm able to apply that not just to what we do, but even to other organizations. I am always willing to consult or to help answer questions for my colleagues in the nonprofit sector because I truly believe in what we do as nonprofits, I believe we're important and I believe we're better together. I know sometimes you find there's a lot of co-opetition, as I like to call it, in the nonprofit sector. Uh, we compete, but we collaborate. Um, and I think we can do more collaboration if we can come together in better ways to help each other. So for me, this is both personal and that I am a person who believes in service. I am a person of color. And so I have a 
I have a personal responsibility to help my community. And that means that all the communities around me. And the one thing I've learned working in the nonprofit sector across all those various organizations is that community is community and people are people. And so no matter where I am, South Carolina or Washington DC, which is where I'm originally from, the needs of the community seem to be pretty similar. And therefore the ways we can impact community can also be pretty similar because there are models out there. And finally, Erica, how can we as individuals and businesses help your organization? We couldn't do anything that we do without the support of the community. The community has been very critical to our success because when you think about all the ways we serve the communities um, that we're in, having four big program areas like that, I only have about 20 staff and some of them are half part-time and some of them are full-time. So if it wasn't for the 300 volunteers, if it wasn't for the donors and just community members who step up all the time to make clothing donations, food donations, they donate uh, financially to us, we wouldn't be able to continue to do the things we do. So I just want to acknowledge that as a, a nonprofit organization, how important community has been to us as we've been trying to help our community in many ways. And so for those who want to learn more about us, who want to get involved with us, um, you can reach us in multiple ways. We do have a presence on Facebook and Instagram. You can also look on our website at www.olmoutreach.org. And you can even give us a call at 843-559-4109. We take donations of all kinds. We take volunteer applications of all kinds. Um, but we want to make sure the community is involved in how we are giving back to those who need us the most.